Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. The title of the lesson is We're All in the Departure Lounge. Amen. You know, uh, when you're in a flight, you can't deny when you made it through the checkpoints. You got there. You got your bags checked. They agreed. They weighed them. They didn't weigh more than 50 pounds or you'd pay uh, $5,000 extra. You get to that gate. You give them your pass, and then you get there, and you know, oh, there, we, ha we, we have time. There's nothing like rushing. It's worse, like rushing. You go, I hope I can make it, right? It's terrible. But you get there, and you go, oh, the plane hasn't, they haven't started uh, boarding yet. So they, there's like a little departure line. You just sit, but you know where it is. You're confident. You got your pass. You know it's there, so now you relax because you're ready to go. You're in the departure lounge. But see, how do we get into the departure lounge as disciples, as well as human beings? People that are alive right now, until they become a true disciple, haven't entered through the entrance of the checkpoint gate into Christ. And to be in the departure lounge is getting right with God and having Jesus as Lord, and then we are in the departure lounge. Let's, let's see why I say what I say. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all your duties of your ministry. Do the work. For I am, verse 6, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Worship God. When you're worship and you're in that act of knowing I've found the pearl, I've found the answers to what is the meaning of life. I listen to the word of God, and I understand now that I'm living for God, and life is short. You don't need faith to know you're going to die. But I want to know where I'm going before I die. And I don't want to go by with myths and people that feel good and tell me by their emotions with some truth, and it's not the right way of living. See... God designed the word to be preached. You can have God and God walks with each one of us. You can go to God's word and have that fellowship 
any time with God. But God designed us to come together and have the word preached. Preach is not just, hey, bro, the Bible says over here, blah, blah, blah. Preach. Get your attention. Maybe you're going to feel a little uncomfortable. Why? Because it doesn't matter if you're saved by grace. That's a great way because you're never going to arrive and we have to be aware of sin. That's why he says, preach the word. He says, be prepared. I don't care if people aren't ready for it or they don't want to hear it. Preach it. In season, out of season, I don't care. If people get out and walk away, it's the word of God that's ticked them off. Great patience and careful instruction. Some people, all people, struggle with pride. And once you've understood the truth, you understand how prideful you were, how I was. And now I appeal, and I know people that I've been, I've been trying to want to share the word for years. And I realize all I can do is continue to pray and bring the truth up in conversations with people I've known for years, family members, I can't change them. The word, even if they, if they don't want to hear it, it doesn't matter. Jesus could come down in the flesh and preach in the kitchen to them, and they won't get it. You have to understand, that's the challenge. And that's why he says, preach! Because someone might be here, like when I first came, and someone was preaching, and I was like, I didn't even know the Bible. I was like, What's he? It's what's hitting me? Did he take? Did someone? Uh, did he put a bug in my apartment? I think he's talking to me. That's preach. The word. It's a scalpel. It goes after everyone, no matter who you are, because God loves you and Jesus died for you. Are you in the departure departure lounge? I'm not saying are you going to die. Anybody would say that. But are you ready and are you ready? And not by your own feelings. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, who, by what authority are you ready? Your own feelings and what you decided? Yeah. I wouldn't bank on that. Well, I'd never tell you that even if you came to me. I'm the minister. I won't tell you nothing except let's look at what the Bible teaches. Yeah. I'm an ambassador for Christ, and I never have any other information, but this is what God's teaching. But I will, preach, I will talk and preach with faith, and that faith God gives us moves people. It either disturbs them and shuts them down yeah. or makes them think. But even if they're shut down, if you get another opportunity, you say, I'm not trying to offend you, but this is the truth. I love you. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it. It'd be easier for me just to go, whatever. Right. But then you have to just wait because that's the one thing. We can't change people. We can only love and help people understand the truth. The departure lounge. Point number one, the proof of saving faith is obedience to God. You want to know, because everybody has an opinion, right? If they're not in the Bible, I'm right with God. We're not to be going around being the, the right with God. Police are the judges. We're not to do that. God says don't judge. But you got to know the truth for yourself. And you shouldn't be satisfied by just growing up and just being in a church and just formulating I'm right with God. I don't think everybody that uh, you go down the street and go, hey, are you going to heaven or hell? I think 85, maybe more, I think people would say I'm going to heaven. And it's not for me to judge, but you're either in going to hell or in heaven. And the Bible says the road is narrow. Yeah. So the higher opinion of all of us, myself included, just thought I'm okay. Right. If there's a God. When I studied the Bible, I said, the Bible said, no, you're not okay. Because Jesus had to die and he's calling you to respond. 
not just float into this, just I'm a good citizen person. No one's good. Look at Luke 11, 21. The proof of saving faith is obedience to God. You don't have to prove to anybody. But you know what? When you're in the departure land and you're dying and you're facing judgment, that's when you need to make sure that you're, that you're whatever you were doing, you could, no one's going to question you if you're not open to the Bible. No, but you die, is your pride going to let, let, have you go to hell? Because God will judge you. You ain't getting in if you're not following the Bible and obeying. And part of that is obeying in grace, forgiveness, walking in the light. But it's following direction from God's word. You know, before I read this next verse, you, you realize in, in the verse we just read, it, he, he starts off in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. So God is still running the universe. We are in the presence of God, and God, everyone, creation, ant, bird, alligator, human being are all in the presence of God. But if you don't understand that, and you just think of it as like God is there, no, you got to go, what? I'm in the presence of God. And then he says, and of Christ Jesus. And he says, who will judge the living and the dead? Wow, the word judge. People don't like that word. This comes straight out before he even gets to love or patience. Who will judge the living and the dead? And in view of his appearing, God is in the presence. But God decides when Jesus comes back, and he comes back. That's going to happen. And if you're not in the departure lounge, biblically sound by the way God's word confirms it, you're in trouble because the only thing that stopped you is your pride. A sixth grader can understand the scriptures if they're humble. A guy with ten doctorates that's defensive could be religious and not right with God because he's just not going to be humble to what Jesus' word says. Luke eleven twenty one. You guys with me? Jesus preaches strong. He says, a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house. His possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds a house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. You know, he's breaking it down. Preach the word. He is the word. Jesus is really laying it out. He just says, if you are not with me, you are against me. And the only Jesus you can be with is the biblically correct Jesus, which a lot of people say, I love Jesus. If you're not biblically correct as a disciple of Jesus, the way Jesus defines in the Bible, why not? It's a sixth grader education that can read it. You're just not humble to the way of life. You're going to hold to your traditions or your family way or what, what you think. Your higher opinion of yourself will kill you eternally. But you know what's even interesting? 
is after Jesus is saying these amazing, powerful things about once you get right with God, you don't just stay idle. you got to stay in the light. Walk in that light. And don't be afraid of the demons worse. But if you just get idle and complacent, you're going to be overwhelmed with evil and sin. And you're worse. So it's not just a one and done. It's walking in the light with God. And God will overcome the demonic powers, no matter how strong they are. He frees up the strong man. God, Satan's trying to... Straighten has souls, and he's holding souls. That's why every human being has to be called out of darkness into the wonderful light. Well, who's owning them? Satan's got the souls. The strong man, God, Jesus, God, God Almighty, comes in, overpowers that strong man. Yes. Says, not here. Amen. And because you put your faith in God and humility comes, you get open with your sin and you go, because of Christ, the power of the cross, God Almighty, I will now worship you. You are my Lord and you will overcome and I will be humble because I want to be saved and I want to stay saved in the light. But after all that, look in verse 27. It's totally out of context. Just boom. He preaches this powerful thing, breaks it down. And as Jesus was saying these things, a woman out in the crowd called out, Blessed is the woman who gave birth to you and nursed you. Okay. He's right. Kudos for Mary. What did Jesus say? Verse 28. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. What's he doing? He's not, it's his mother. He's not trying to put his mother down. He was born as a miraculous miracle, and Mary was impregnated with God allowing it to be the Son of God. Yeah. But the woman's off track. She's highlighting something that has nothing to do with what he's saying. He says, listen, man, you need to focus and amen for my mom, but better off blessed on the real focus is those who hear the word of God and obey it. Don't look at your family, your relatives, and be sentimental. Obey God above them. It's a fundamental teaching, but I don't know why we people are so sentimental and afraid to hurt someone's feelings. Get used to it. Don't worry about it. You do it with great patience and love, but you don't candy coat it, and then you can't help it. I had a conversation with a relative yesterday on the phone. I got a little tipsy. I've been working on her for a long time. An opening came. I'm not going to agree with it. I said, this is what I think. And she wasn't open. She started to defend herself, getting all flustered on the phone. I said, listen, man, I'm going to bring this up. I'm not. I'm going to bring this up forever. I'm, this is what the truth is. And I realized I couldn't change it, even though I've known her all my life. So I just said, I love you. I'm telling you what I'm telling you because I need to. And then I realized I can't change nobody. I'm talking in the Word of God. I can't change nobody if they don't want to change. They don't want to hear the Word of God. God won't change anybody if they don't be willing to hear the Word of God and obey. That's why Jesus says, listen up. Don't get distracted. Amen for mothers that give birth. Amen for Mary who was a servant, just like everyone else, a great honored servant. But she had to be saved. Jesus died for everyone. He says, don't get off track. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Amen. What do you think about that? That's a fat flack. Jesus laid it out. The proof of saving faith is obedience to God. Are you obedient to God? Are you quick to repent 
to God? If you have an attitude, do you quickly repent of it or do you hold it? Do you get emotionally upset and don't hold to the word on balancing the way you react? Jesus was speaking to people here who put an extremely high value on family ties. That's why he said that. Their genealogies were important guarantees that they were part of God's chosen people. And that's why he broke that. He said, listen up, guys, you can't follow your family line, and I don't care if your grandma helped build the church and donated 7,000. If it's not validated by Scripture, it's not right. But we have plaques, and everybody... I'm sorry, if it's violating scripture, there's a problem. Right. A man's value to a significant degree came from his ancestors. And a woman's value was often tied to the sons she bore back then. And don't get me wrong, it's great. God created families. There's a real purpose of that, loving your children, loving your family. But you can't get sentimental when it becomes the truth of God. Jesus' response to the woman meant that a person's obedience to God is more important than his or her place in the family tree. Consistent obedience is more important than the honor of bearing a respected son. It's not taken away, but consistent obedience to God's word. What's that take? Humility and desire. God says, seek me with all your heart. You can find me. You keep seeking. If you don't, you got to realize I'm in trouble, and I need to get open, and I need to ask God, and I need to come. And that's why we meet together. That's why Jesus said in the words of God when the first century churches, they devoted themselves. Do not give up meeting together. Why was he saying that? Because you hear the word of God preached, and the spirit of God works through truth preachers. With the word, you have it open. So you're hearing things and being moved just like I am. I'm preaching to myself. Point number two. Suppose Christ returns today. What happens? Well, where are you? If you can say you're right with God, how do you say that? I can say I studied the Bible, understood what it meant to follow Jesus in a way of life, like Chaz said, and I understood that I need to not only follow Jesus, but now God's he's going to help me after I get right to be a fisher of men and women and help always be looking and willing to invite and share the word. Amen. You can't do that if you don't stay close to God because you get burnt out. Right. And you're not supposed to be burnt out. You're supposed to be excited to be worship God. Look in 1 Thessalonians 5. Suppose Christ returns today. See, this is the challenge. It's just we get to the point where, you know, the storm came and everybody was in. And let's just be real. When that was happening, no matter where you were, there was winds. And you didn't really know. You just, God, help me. Right? Kenji was sharing that that wind was nailing her garage, I mean, her door, and she could hear it. And and it just kept going and going. And you're like, when's it going to stop? Before that storm. We were over at Parker and Earl's house in Melvin Solar. They got a great house. I was talking, and they have a big window, and it was like before the hurricane came in the storm, and it was so quiet and still. Did you notice nature? Before, it was like the wind wasn't even moving. It was eerie. You walk outside, it was so quiet. And I was like, this is amazing. And that's where that statement comes, the quiet before the storm. 
It was so, I made comments. I go, I'm shocked. I always know this, but it's like before that storm, there was no wind, nothing. It was just like eerie. You'd walk outside. It was like so calm. But the beast was coming. Just because you felt calm and good, the beast was on its way. The future was coming. You can't stop it, but in your sitting, you felt okay until it came. And all we could do is listening to the authorities and radar and really trying to look where you are. And I think they even gave zones, right? Zone. And they're trying to say, and then they were trying to say nicely that this is an evacuation in some areas. We really strongly suggest you leave now or your life could be in danger. There was demands, authority. But it was still quiet before it happened. We could see it on radar, but we go, how do I believe that's going to happen? See, you can read the Bible, and the Bible's like your radar, and no one gets alarmed that that aren't that aren't saved. They they just they they think I'll do it next week, or maybe I'll come to church, or someone starts studying Bible and they get tied up again. They don't understand what is at stake. In verse one of First Thessalonians five. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should should this, so this day would, should surprise you like a thief. You won't be. You're ready. We're staying ready. We're walking with God. We worship. We're God's people. We don't really worry about the day or time. We know it's coming, but we're right. Amen. So he says that's why he says you know this should not surprise you like a thief because you you don't really need to know. But you're 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 right with God. You understood by God's authority the word of God. Blessed are those who obey the word of God. Amen. But then it says here. In verse 5, you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. But let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, and that's a phrase of saying we're in the light, Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. See, you can't even use the word salvation if you don't connect with faith by reading God's word. It's not a human word. Salvation, humanistically, scientifically, atheistically, it doesn't work. It may, salvation's not, salvation, like that's an afterlife. Salvation? Put on the helmet. God gave you the brain. You got to read the word. You got to decide humbly to move your heart. And then you are moved by God to obey it. And your helmet, your brain, you protect your thoughts. You protect how you read the word of God. You protect how you allow the word of God, the word of God only to move you and direct you and call you to be corrected. Not be defensive. Caleb talked about doubt. Who doesn't struggle with doubt? And he was under stress. When you're under stress on anything, it'll pass. But that stress is like you can lose your temper or be short. And that's where you always got to catch it because it's like a storm. It's going to pass. 
because you're pressured on something in life, but it doesn't stay on you. You got to use your brain. You got to use your brain. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, loving with all your mind is reading the words of God. With all your heart is letting your heart be moved and humble in faith. Strength is physically now starting to obey and not intellectually stay in belief. Intellectual belief in God and Jesus will not save you. It, it calls you to move and be motivated to obey God. Faith without deeds is dead. Let's read verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact we're doing. You know, a meeting of the body of Christ, a church meeting, God's leading the church of baptized true disciples in the truth because you can't be in the church if you're not baptized into God's truth. There's nothing but a joyous time when we come together and we encourage each other. We look each other in the eye. We know what we've learned. We know what words of God we've humbled at. We all entered through Christ the way God teaches in the Bible. It's awesome. Security. Departure lounge. You know when it says somewhere, it says for those who sleep, it's it, but it's, you know, sleep is not being aware and not paying attention. Asleep at the wheel. You know the saying? Yeah. Asleep at the wheel. Now that could be driving. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. But you could even say I was asleep as the, at, the, at the wheel. There was a period of time when my kids were younger. And I, I realized looking back, there was a period of time where I was asleep at the wheel emotionally. I was there. I showed up, but I looked back, it was not a good time, and I realized I wasn't engaging emotionally the way I need to do with my children, no matter how old they are. And sometimes you're there, but you're stopped engaging. So you're asleep spiritually. You're not focused. That's why he says a thief, you've got to be ready, stay ready for God. Not in fear, because you love God, and once you understand the love of God moves you, now, you're, now you realize the only thing to fear is if you don't repent and want to humble out, then you're defying it against God. That's not a good place to be. Times and dates, he says. Hey, listen, about the times and date, we don't need to write you. And that refers to the knowledge of what will occur in the future. And that's specifically, he's talking about the return of Christ, which hasn't happened yet. Efforts to determine the date of Christ's return are foolish because no one knows and that's not the focus. You focus on that, you might even be doing what's right for a wrong motive. Just don't want to get in trouble. You got to love God back. Not be a convict in prison and go, I'm going to be a good inmate. No, I'm going to be a fired up, thank you, God Almighty. Don't be misled by anyone who claims to know when Jesus is coming back. Just be ready. Walk in the light. Be strong in the grace. Suppose he was going to return today. What happened? Are you hiding something in your mind? Have you sinned? Have you stole? Have you done impurity? Are you watching pornography? Have you committed adultery? Have you done a lie? Is there a lie in your life that's secret and you know it? He who conceals sin gets sick and will not prosper. Secrets. Is there a lie between you and anyone? You can't be in the truth with a lie. But I'll be in trouble. It'll hurt someone's feelings. Well, too bad. Get open. Fear God and let the consequences play. And then hopefully you're really sorry, but hurt can't be changed. You sinned. Amen. Sins have consequences. You hurt someone, hopefully they can forgive you. But you need to be clear with God. Yes. Come on, 
Suppose he returns right now, tonight. It's not like we're like focused, like, no, we all are saving the grace, but it's the pattern of life. God is very patient. But are you continuing to be in the pattern of life? Those studying the Bible, I'm so proud of you because you inspire me. All it does is remind any disciple of what they did just as though Jesus was here in the beginning. We're just following, like if we were back and living at the time Jesus visits the world, we would, we're teaching the same thing. Follow me as I follow Christ. And God's spirit is here because if you're living in the truth, not adding or taking away from God's word, the spirit of God confirms it yeah. and is with it. But if you step out of the truth or, or are contemptuous, you have a problem. The day of the Lord, in verse 2, refers to the future time when God will intervene directly and dramatically. Let me tell you something. That storm in the eye, you see the news? I, I didn't feel it like that. I lost power. But when I saw the news of some of the, some of the coastal cities, they're devastated. There's not one. There's nothing. It was just like, what? I went through the storm. I didn't experience that. And see, when God comes back, he's going to intervene directly and dramatically in what in world affairs it's going to happen so powerful that you won't have to know it's happening and you go what about the wars people say oh no it's yeah no there's always wars there's always disputes that's going to go on all the way in believe me when it happens you don't need to go looking for signs you don't know it's going to be obvious it's god yes. the key for us is to focus on jesus dying for us on the cross and be grateful for the mercy and grace to walk in the light and know that a powerful creator wants to have a relationship Amen. with little O you and me. Amen. That's amazing. Point number three, ignorance is destruction disguised by temporary bliss. Ignorance is destruction disguised by temporary bliss. You think you don't know, you don't want to know enough. If if you don't look into the Bible, you're held accountable. Well, no, no, you know you are. Because you, you can't just go, I'm right with God and not understand the Bible. Yes. Look in Matthew 24, verse 36. You guys with me? Yes. You know, sadly, I heard in, at times in the church, and I've been in, in God's church for 28 years, praise God, grace, all mercy. There's people at times will leave God. So you can't say I'm leaving God. I'm not leaving God, I'm leaving the church. you got a problem with your theology. There's a real problem. You never understood the truth. It's not that you have to be in the geographical location, but the heart of connection and unity is Jesus is Lord of your life, and he's head and Lord of the church. So it's family. So sadly, at times, people will leave, and they won't. This is where you know they're in major sin. Anybody who leaves God's church with just a blank, I'm out, and they don't offer to get together and even say, let's just say for sake, we did 100% something wrong or someone hurt you. We still want to get in there and find out what's wrong so we can say sorry. Because Jesus died for perfect unity. Jesus died. You, must, you cannot say you're right with God and leave something disunified and not at peace. You need to be willing to have the courage to come in. And when, and when you follow someone that falls away, it's sad and you always leave the door open. But if they're not open to get back together, they're in sin. Because they just said, no matter what I feel or think, I'm done. Jesus says, you can never do that. Or they'll rephrase it in a deception way. I'm going to take a break. What the heck does that mean? You're going to take a break from obeying God's word? 
You're, you need, we just need to help you talk through it. Maybe somehow you become like what Paul says. You were running a good race and someone cut in you. You got legalism. And you stop. You're not even trusting in the spirit even though you think you are. And you're burnt out by doing all these deeds. But you're not even connected to the spirit. But you're doing the right things. And you're not even relying on God. So you're burnt out and worry. And that's just an adjustment of helping. Walking in the light and worshiping God takes sacrifice, denial, self, but it's worth it. No one ever leaves a gym and goes, I wish I didn't work out. No one ever gets done taking a walk and going, I wish I didn't walk. No one ever abstains from that big temptation of sugar bliss of whatever it is. If you decided to want to change your weight or whatnot, and you just, you, no, thank you. You don't look like later after the feelings get away and you get in the car, you're not like going, oh, I wish I should have ate that. No, you go, I did it. I remember when I had to get focused, being in the kingdom of God is about food and hospitality. No matter you what, you can almost get a cake. Everything's, no matter what meeting or where you're at, there's cake and cookies and food. It's like, how you doing? And I just, I realized for 20 years, I was just like, okay. And I just thought like when I was in there, I'll take a little bite or someone's birthday. Oh, good. I'm here. Happy birthday. And bring that cake. So I'm, I'm 30. Then I go to 40. And then my wayside's going, how you doing? I was baptized at 31, fired up, martial arts, in shape, fired up. Sonia met me. Remember that? I was like, how you doing? I remember I wore motorcycle chaps into the chapel. It was cold. I had a motorcycle. Brother called me over and decided me on the chaps. I said, but I, I still don't understand, but I humbled because I didn't want to cause anybody to struggle. So I packed my chaps in my saddlebag, and I put them back on when I left because it was like 35 degrees. <laughs> but I gained weight. That didn't happen overnight. Ten years, it was like, wow, you just go on. No one says anything before you know it. You know, you're buying pants. And you're, doing, you're a little bit more. And, and then you look at pictures of yourself, and you're like, good night. Chubby Checker. Chubby Checker's back. Look at the bullfrog. You don't even realize that you look at a picture close to yourself, and I'm like, that didn't happen by one decision. That happened by drifting. Yes. That happened by not getting a conviction. And why eating and taking cakes, possibly not, it's not a salvation issue. But being right and making decisions to deny yourself is worth it. Yes. To walk with God and obey God, you should never be burnt out. If you are, you need to talk with people and go, maybe you, sometimes people are such good servants, you have to go, I don't think you should do that. I love you, but I just, you're doing a lot. I just want to make sure you're okay. Take a nap. Go eat. Amen. Let some, okay. You know, that's, you know, that's fine. Yeah. But if you're burnt out because you're doing all these things and then you decide church or being together or coming together in names God is what you're going to stop doing because you're doing everything else that doesn't get you to heaven, you've missed your priority. Right. No one's trying to tell you that, but it's just you got to get readjusted in the heart. It's not like don't be feeling bad. Just go, what's going on? Because worshiping God is exhilarating, yes. painful, yes. suffer. But you grow, and you're in the river. You're in the rapids. Fired up. So I grabbed that weight. 40. I'm 60 now. I look at pictures now, and I go, I look at those on purpose now. I go, I'm not going to go back there. No one said anything. They loved me too much, and no one said anything. I was like, I, had a, I was one of the guys that had a beard and a goatee because that double chin was so high. I had to hide it. So I had, you know, I realized, and I looked around, a lot of guys that, that were around that at a time all had goatees, and they were all heavy like me, and they didn't tuck their shirts in. And I was like, because I realized at least I was doing that. I was trying to make it so it would hide my double chin. 
That's just for me. I don't want that. But I realized it took 10 years. I'm not going to change it overnight. I'm 50. Then I was 55, and then God helped me get a spinal cord paralyzation thing. But I was already working on it, and I was already losing weight because I realized I need to do what's right with myself because I want to live as long and be used by God as a human being. So, But the parable on that is it took denial of self. I literally had to go in the first, when I make conscious efforts, I didn't, couldn't believe when you're aware of it how much sweets are offered. One, and I remember when I said, no, thank you, and I passed it. And I was like almost thinking maybe I'll have one. And I remember the first times of just saying, no, no, thank you. No one knew what was going on with me, but I was like, well, I'm actually now fighting something that I just naturally goes, oh, thank you, thank you. Anything that was offered, I'd take. And I started to go, no one told me to do it. I started making conscious efforts. It was a denial of self, but the emotions would want it, and then they'd pass, and I'd go, okay, I'm learning a discipline. And then I got to a point where I started to really discipline, where once in a while I'll have cake. Or have but now it's just not anytime, anywhere. How you doing, how you doing, how you doing? I realized I was out of control. I was not in touch. Yeah. That's what happens spiritually sometimes. We drift. Our convictions are always Jesus, follow Jesus fully with all your heart. Now, can you live up to that? No, you need grace, but you don't make an excuse. The, 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 the call is a disciple sold out for God as Jesus calls. We don't water it down to fit people. The call is still there and the grace is there. But we have to follow the biblical Jesus call to worship God and help save the world. Amen? All right, let's look at verse 36. Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus speaking here. Now about the hour, the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Matthew 24, verse 36. Verse 37, now, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving to marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came And took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Jesus said, keep watch. Not freaked out, not anxious, not looking out the window. Is he coming, Jesus? Is he coming? I'm reading the Bible. Ah, No. You're right with God when you're right with God. And it's not just the mental, I'm right with God. You walking, you study, you humble yourself to God's word. You know how to be saved the way God says. And now you get the spirit to even help, but you're walking. But he says, keep watch. Why? To worship God. Don't get distracted. Keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, verse 43. Jesus, understand this. He stops. Understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken in. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. You know, when Jesus reiterates a question, he's preaching. He's calling your hearts. He lays out some serious, wow, everyone, volleyball world, everyone's going to be in what I'm talking about. Yeah. Problem is, many more won't be right because they didn't respond. And what's he say? After he says, who then is going to be the faithful, wise servant? Whom I put in charge. Who's going to be doing the work? 
Who's going to be making disciples? Who's going to be serving, not in legalism, but in the heart of God saying, go make disciples? Love one another deeply. Who's going to raise up to be a Bible talk leader? Who's going to learn the scriptures enough to be able to help someone take them through with their heart to help them understand what it means to be a disciple, Christian of Jesus, and then walk with them? I'm proud of Melvin Williams. You know, Eddie's going to come up in a minute, and they're going to get baptized. They're going to share, and we're going to baptize them over here. It's not just an emotional moment. If someone's visiting, we don't just say, oh, you want to do that. If you came up, I'd say, no, you can't. Because I don't know where you're at. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I just got to make sure as, a, as the church authority, I got to make sure you're correct with the word of God. I'm not the guy, but we just got to make sure. You can't just jump in emotionally. Yeah. Eddie's been studying the Bible, as he'll tell you. Melvin was spearheading it in there, showing him scripture. Melvin is a guy behind the scenes as a workhorse, rolls his sleeves up about not having a role. I told him, I said, bro, you have grown because I've seen him as a young man. He's still a young man, but I've seen him grow over seven, over six, seven years and be mature, fight battles, overcome, have disappointments. He shares humbly. He gets back in there. He overcomes. And he helped Eddie lead the just of the studies. Earl and Chamba and many other brothers were in there. But he took them all through. And I told him before, I said, bro, I'm so proud of you. Because you, it takes time to grow. It's not a contest, but to really learn to handle the Word of God correctly while you're in the departure lounge, helping others, because the departure lounge is not going to be full. It's always room. Like when you ever gone to a flight that's overbooked and you're there late, there's no seats. Everybody's just kind of standing. It's crowded. And it's like you feel the anticity. And then I realize we got the seat. Why am I even standing in line? No one's going to take it. You know, you go. But everybody's like, I got to get in. But there's plenty of room in this departure lounge. Lots of room God wants us to come in. So we need to be able to handle the word of God correctly so we can help people enter the departure lands before they go on so they can be saved before judgment. So it says here, and Jesus calls this out once again. Who then is the faithful in verse 45? Faithful and wise servant. Look, he's rhetorically going, who is it? And what has he said? You got to be showing up. You got to be part of my kingdom. You got to be a faithful servant to me, God Almighty. Faithful, wise servant, meaning I'm going to put priorities. If you're wise, you understand and you keep understanding what's important. Loving God first and depending on God. And we get into trouble. We need that refuge. We need that. We struggle. We feel falling apart. We have things happen. We need to delicately encourage one another and love each other. And the Spirit's always working, but we just got to realize we don't want to drift. It's not a contest, but it's just stay in the Lord. And when you're having a really hard time, God's with you. It's okay. Just, just share. Pray. We all understand. That's what we share because we know what it's like. We want to comfort each other. We want to serve and help each other. Right, family? Yes. Who then is my faithful servant? In verse 46, he answers the question, which is really good because if you're taking a test with Jesus, just listen because he gives you the question and then he gives you the answer right there. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that wicked servant is says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards. That means go back into your depravity of sin. It's, not, it's just you go back. You realize if I don't stay worshiping God and stay with God, God's with me. I need grace. But if I stopped just really and being idle, I would just, I drift mentally. And I, no matter how far I go, if I don't stay engaged and go, God is walking with me. I'll drift into that guy in 1993 slowly or even have inklings of the thoughts. Why? I'm never cured. 
I'm glad I'm not cured. I need God. That's what keeps me motivated to obey God, to stay in the spirit and be fired up. But also, no, I'm not going to be deceived. I want to be ready, God, and God's not going to trick you. You just got to be willing and obedient. But look what he says in verse 50. He says, you shouldn't be, don't go back and don't live in your sin of the world. In verse 50, the master of that servant will come on that day when he does not expect him in the hour he's not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him to a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of trees. See, the only great sin is you don't have to earn it if you're a hypocrite. You're listening to the word of God. You're saying you're right with God. That's the worst person to be with. I love them, but it's hard, isn't it? Like the Pharisees, when Jesus was trying to negotiate in the scriptures with them, and they just argued. He's like, God, they're arguing. They're even taunting him when he's half dead, beaten on the cross. If you're the son of God, come down. Can you imagine how, you, that's how out there we can get. Yes. The word of God is right in your face. The word of God was flesh dying, and they're saying, prove it again. They can't see it. Don't think they're the idiots. We can all get there. Yes. If you don't stay engaged in God. And you got to realize it's not good to be cut in pieces and put out where weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing is, <sighs> you're crying and your anger is together. It's a crying anger storm you're having because you hate yourself because you know you should have made decisions and your pride stopped you. And now for eternity, it's too late. Judgment came, and you're going to have it all brought up, and you're going to see how many times God allowed you. And you're going to say, why? And you're going to be weeping and gnashing, and you're going to hate yourself because you didn't respond to the words of God before you died. And now you go to hell because you were not a servant of God and making Jesus Lord, and to God be the glory. Jesus second coming will be swift and sudden every night I go to bed I lay in my bed I pray with my wife 28 years I don't think there's a day we missed unless I was even on the phone because I know I'm not right with God if I can't pray with my wife even if there's something else going on you just it's hard to pray if you're struggling but then I just go God before I go to sleep and I just go I just do check my heart is there anything wrong is there anybody I've hurt I like to go to bed clear because I don't like to waste grace. I want to be strong in grace. But it's so refreshing, you know, I'm in the departure lounge, and all I got to do is decide to be humble and confess and change and go, God, help me and acknowledge everything God already knows. But he wants my heart, and I'm so grateful that he wants to work with me. Isn't it great to be at peace, brothers and sisters, those who study the Bible and know by the authority of the Word of God that you're saved? Isn't that so awesome? Really... Don't take that for granted. Quiet down every day. When you take time, just go, I'm right. See, there's no indication that people will have an opportunity for last-minute repentance here or bargaining. It's over. All of a sudden, no one's going to be like deathbed. You're done. Jesus gave certain details about his return, not not to stimulate predictions or calculations. But to warn his people to be vigilant and spiritually prepared in grace, not not freaking out, walk in the light and love God and love people and be committed as a body of Christ universally, but in Orlando, we're the international disciples honor God separately and then together as a family church. And we continue to be the light. Amen.
So as we close, we must be diligent in spreading the gospel and living according to God's word. Jesus wants us to spend and wait and help. Use your resources, your blessings to not back off. Use your blessings or your advancement or whatever you're doing. Don't stop keeping God first. Don't get so busy that you can't be a disciple. That, that God doesn't care how important you are in the world. I'm so busy, I can't make the meaning. No, you're, you're not righteous with God. Put God first. Use your wealth. Use your energy. Use your brain. Use whatever God gives you. Enjoy it, but use it as a platform to keep God. This is the best way to pray for Jesus' return. Knowing what his return will be and knowing that it will be sudden and unexpected, we should not live irresponsibly. We should take responsibility when we're wrong quickly. We should try to be the best people we can anywhere. And when you know you're wrong, don't fight. I'm sorry. Just try to be humble. You don't have to fight. God said you don't have to fight. Just be a humble man of God and own your baggage. Own your sin quickly and humbly. That's a light. We should not do otherwise. Don't just be a pleasure pig and seek for yourself. Don't focus only poor me. You're worrying. Worrying is self. you got to get out and go, God Almighty, you have me. And we have plenty to do. But the question is for all of us as brothers and sisters in the church, stay ready, be ready, and let's help other people get ready. And to God be the glory.